0: The Product Podcast is back with a brand new season. This time, we are featuring eight of the brightest minds in the industry. Our latest episodes will highlight insights, methods, and strategies that are being used at the top tech companies around the world.
1: If you are eager to start your product career, head to our website to learn more about product management certificates. This is Jay.
0: And this is Eva. And we hope you enjoy all the latest insights brought to you by Product School. This week on The Product Podcast, Matt Belotti brings his product savviness to discuss the wild west of the PM world. Join as we learn what is necessary to build products people love and how having a mentor can be the key to breaking into and being successful in the product world. When you were growing up, did you ever wonder about how the biggest brands, services or even just everyday objects worked or how they got built? Is that something you thought about at all?
2: it's funny I would say no like I just never really thought about it until uh, when I was in school I took a design course and then that made me realize how much effort and time goes into like the thought process behind this and and my first job where I was product manager uh, and learned that like there's so much more to all this stuff that we just use every day that you don't really think about like there's people spending their lives figuring out how that thing is going to operate and work and all that so I'd say growing up no thought. Um, As I started doing product, I realized that it's a pretty important thing.
1: And at this stage in your life, did you have any role models in the tech world, like family members or friends who introduced you to the tech scene?
2: No, my family has no relation to tech. Um, My parents definitely don't understand what I do. And uh, I got into it because when I went to college, I got involved in the Entrepreneurs Club because I always wanted to start my own company someday. Uh, and then my mentor there uh, was in tech and he got me my first uh, role as a product person. And so that was my, my like real introduction to it.
0: I was actually going to ask you about that, uh, your education. So you went to Northeastern and when you were there, besides, of course, formal courses, you were involved in a lot of groups. You were president of the Japanese club, and you had study abroad experiences in Santo Domingo and South Africa. Would you say that in your case, the university experience was key to leading you to product?
2: Yeah, I would say it the without having gone to Northeastern, I definitely, I don't think I would have wound up being in product. And I don't think I would. And if I had gotten involved in product, I don't think I I would have learned as quickly and as much as I did with the types of roles that I wound up getting. Um, And that's because of the opportunities that I got through Northeastern, uh, through things uh, with the on-campus activities uh, as well as off-campus activities in Boston, like being in Boston um, and being at Northeastern, those things were critical to me landing in the world of product in the first place.
1: I've spoken to other PMs and they tell me that location is really important. And we've seen people from Europe travel to San Francisco and discover new products there. We've also seen people travel all over the world, really. And when they come home, they realize how isolated their experience is, where they're from. And it's kind of like an echo chamber. Do you think it's important for product people to travel to other places and gain a broader perspective?
2: Yeah, and I I would kind of add to that and say that different... Areas of the world have different industries that thrive. And so the type of product um, thought and the type of product learning and roles differ between them all. So, for example, San Francisco is very obviously uh, has a strong suit in B2C, right? Consumer apps, uh, very, very high volume type stuff. And building an app like Airbnb uh, is very different than, uh, I would say, in Boston, most companies are, the strong strongest companies are B2B, so they're all business to business tools, uh, and building a business to business tool is very fundamentally different uh, from building a consumer app. Uh, so I would say it's important to think about what kind of industry you want to work in, like if you're thinking about getting involved in product, and consider, okay, if I want to be a product manager for these types of tools, uh, this is the place in the world that learning is strongest because there's a lot of experience building that kind of stuff. Like in Boston, there aren't many product managers that really understand B2C and consumer mm-hmm. app product. Um, just as a function of, there's not that many uh, companies out here that do that. I mean, there's some, there's TripAdvisor and Kayak and and a few other uh, similar to that, but not nearly at the scale of something like San Francisco. So uh, I would say it's, it, it is different in different places. And uh, it it's important to think about what kind of work do you want to do as a product manager
0: so your first product experience was in boston at influencers and what did you learn in your time working on the real time market research platform how did you build or rather how did you start building this sort of user centered build strategy what was your first approach
2: yeah i so i I will be honest in saying I had no idea what I was doing <laughs> and it was an incredible experience. I didn't even know what product management was before I took that job uh, because there's my mentor from school and I just wanted to work with him and he said, Hey, we, we need this thing called a product manager. Do you want to do it? So, so I totally fell face first into it. And so I would say, I didn't know what I was doing. And like my initial thought and the, the work that I did for the first couple of months was, things have to get done, like stuff has to get done. We have to figure out how this thing is gonna work. Okay, I'll find a way to do that. We have to outline how the mechanics will work for the product, it was uh, part of the platform was you could answer questions to get free stuff. So I took it upon myself to model out how many points do you get for answering questions? Then how many points are certain prizes worth? And, And so for the first few months, it was very much like whatever has to get done, I am the person to do that thing. And one of the things that I did during that role was I wound up getting a mentor at a local uh, local company. I went to a, a product meetup and I yeah. saw someone speak and he was a VP of product at HubSpot at the time. And I said, wow, this guy really knows what he's doing. I feel like I could learn a lot from him. So I reached out to him and he became a person that when I'd run into a big challenge around product and I just didn't know where to look or what to do, I would send them an email outlining like, hey, here's my challenge, Like, this is what's going on, I've read these things, I, they're not really helpful, uh, what do I do from here? And so having that mentor was really, really critical in uh, me figuring out what things to do in that first role, because I was the only one doing product per se uh, at, that, at that first company, so it was, it was very much a, a wild west, learn it as I go, Uh, but I certainly learned quite a lot. I think one of my biggest lessons was I took too long to spend time to truly understand the paying customer side of things. So uh, the marketplace was you could answer questions to get free stuff and companies would pay to ask those questions. So we spent a ton of time building the side where you would answer questions to get free stuff, right? The consumer side, which was a lot of fun. It was great, but I, we never really understood, and I will take responsibility for this, I never really understood who the, who the customer was. Like, Would this person actually pay us, and are we building the tools that they need? Uh, we did that secondarily, uh, and ultimately, that was uh, a major downfall to the whole thing, because we had tons of people answering things, but there's n- nothing on the other side supporting yeah. uh, all the prizes that people were getting. Yeah,
1: of course. Mentorship is definitely really important in new disciplines like product management where the career path is not so clearly defined as many other professions. So getting advice from someone who's more experienced, even if they're just a few years ahead of you, is definitely useful. In my opinion, that is. So after influencers, you move to attend.com as a PM consultant. So I understand you were already sharing insights from your experiences. And... How easy do you think it is to go to a a new place, see how the product is working, and try and introduce new mechanics to see what might work? What's the challenge there?
2: Yeah, I think it depends a lot on the size of the business. If, uh, for example, Attend was just a few people at the time. Um, If I was showing up to a company that was 200 people and they have a pretty strong process, like, you influencing that process is going to be a lot tougher, right? Because you have to figure out first how to fit in with the process and then you can evolve it over time. If you're uh, doing product at a much smaller team, the likelihood if the, if there's less than 20 employees, sometimes even 50 employees, people are just building things and there's no real system for yeah. it. Like, And so you can show up and have a lot more ownership around how these things are going to function, how they're going to look and uh, and, you know, ultimately at, at the next stage after that, at 100 employees, 150 employees, usually a, a vice president is hired and they, they you know, set it up for scale. Um, so I would say at a very small company, it's pretty easy to show up and just look at everything and say, all right, this whole thing's a mess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's fix this stuff. And it's a mess because there's no one actively looking at it, which is fine. Um, but, you know, when you're early and you show up, uh, it's a lot easier to, to start Putting things in places uh, than it is when things are mostly already put in places and everyone's kind of already trained on that system. So it's gonna it's gonna take a, a longer time to to make them make it move or, or evolve.
0: Yeah, there's definitely that inertia. Well, after that, you moved on to HubSpot, where you were first in customer support product management. How was your time in that particular function? Did you benefit from being on the side of the users? And what did it add to your overall operation? Like, was it interesting to be in sort of a startup within a larger, more established company?
2: Yeah, it was fascinating. I I absolutely love that role. Uh, and the mix between the customer support and the product management to me was critical. So I was I joined and I was the only non-technical person on the team. Mm-hmm. And so... Kind of similar to my first role, like stuff had to get done and answering all the customers with questions was a thing that had to get done. And being so close to the customer allowed me to develop this perspective to say, here's what people are getting frustrated about, or here's what's not working, or here's what people are thinking that the tool does, but they're they're constantly surprised that it doesn't actually do this thing, right? And so... When people ask me how uh, maybe folks coming out of uh, college or university or looking to make a switch into product management, I and they say, like, where do I start? Like, can I just go become a product manager? And that's really hard to just jump right into product management unless you go through schools or education systems that are specific to that, uh, to that realm. But one of the things that I recommend is getting involved in a very, very customer facing type role because... Being a good product manager means you have to have a really good understanding of the customer. And so uh, running the customer support for that year allowed me to develop more empathy for the customer and uh, get involved in all the conversations with the team because I was the main point of contact with them. And so when I would hear conversations going on of, oh, should the thing work like this or should the thing work like this, it was very easy for me to say, oh, I've heard everyone think that the thing should work like that, so hey, uh, you know, I can get involved in that conversation and help steer it in a certain direction.
1: Yeah, it's always a challenge to have a customer voice within your operations when you're a product manager, and I feel like sometimes you tend to forget that you're really not the user, so yeah, after that, you move to sales and product management, and I've heard from some PMs that salespeople are some of the toughest internal stakeholders, because you know they tend to be very quick in their demands and in the way they negotiate. How do you deal with this?
2: Yeah, so uh, the product that I, I worked on during that time was a pre-launched product. So it was the HubSpot CRM, which hadn't been launched yet. And so B, I was the original salesperson on that. And uh, my aim in that was try to find product market fit, like so, find people who will buy this thing. And so coming from the background of customer support and product management, I, I was able to better frame my feedback for, for the rest of the product team for sure. When it comes to being a product person and dealing with the with the sales organization, it is tricky. And, and I think what I have found is that one, there's a ton of value of for product managers to just get on a sales call with the salesperson, right? If they, if they keep saying, I, I'm hearing this thing, or there's this customer that's really frustrated about this and won't buy because of that, go jump on the call with them, right? Because the, a salesperson isn't trained in trying to understand the pain that a customer is having, right? The customer is telling the salesperson, I'm not gonna buy unless you have this feature, but it's your job as a product manager to go talk to that customer and understand oh, they don't actually want this feature. They just want to be able to do this. And we have a a part of the product that can allow them to do that now. Or maybe we don't have that part of the product, but we're working on this other thing right now, which if we tweak it a little bit, (laughs) could allow the customer to get that kind of outcome. So I I think it's just super important to not view sales uh, stakeholders as an enemy or like, the complainers or the, the never ending request group, right? And they are your partners. And so you have to partner with them and just jump on a call. Right. And then, and then the sales team can then start to understand like, Oh wow, this product person showed up and they actually helped me close my deal or yeah, they were asking really good questions and now I can ask those questions next time.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, you shouldn't antagonize, but it is difficult sometimes of course. Um, what about your role as presidential global officer for your previous college, Northeastern? Did you learn anything about how the tech industry works in other countries or how how general business works in other countries? Was that useful for you?
2: Yeah. I, so I spent six months traveling around meeting with top startups in the world, um, and it was a, an amazing experience. And I got a, a, a good sense of uh, what the startup communities look like in each of those different parts in the world that I got to visit. I think uh, one of my favorite locations and what I think is like a a future tech hub uh, was Berlin. Uh, Mm. I think Berlin has a lot of the right pieces to become uh, an amazing place to build product and learn product and and build great companies. Uh, I also think Singapore it has a lot of really cool opportunity because uh, the government there is doing a lot to encourage people to start new companies and build new products. I expect there to be a lot more uh, resources yeah. and, and opportunities out there for sure. But yeah, it, it was really, really interesting too because I so I did that trip in I think it was 2013 or 2014 and i would ask the startups there like hey you know when when did this company when did these companies start or when did the the startup community or the product community become uh, become a thing in your city and almost across the board the answers were 2010 2011 which yeah. to me really shows like the the effect of you know, big companies like Facebook and the ability for people to build products faster through standardization, uh, like bootstrap uh, languages, like coding languages and access to development education, like uh, coding education became more and more prevalent around that time. So I think it's just really cool to see everywhere the bar, uh, the, the barrier to entry to build products and build companies dropped very significantly in that, that few year period.
0: That's the perspective that we get from all the communities across the world, from South Africa to Sweden. It's just amazing the different insights and problems that they identify. So I'm sure this experience was useful because after that you were managing partner at Dorm Room Fund, and you say that you managed uh, the half, half a million dollar fund to invest in student-run companies. How did being on the funding or rather on the investment side help you in future product roles?
2: Yeah, uh, being on the other side and hearing pitches from founders and the people that are just starting to build their product and thinking about, all right, what market is this thing going to be for and who's the customer going to be? Sometimes, over time, it became obvious where there were gaps missing or huge assumptions Mm -hmm. made and it became really easy to realize like oh these people are like way overestimating how many people are going to buy their product in the first year or uh, i think these people are underestimating the market in which their product can serve right they're they're thinking about the market as this like very narrow thing versus there's all these other customers that can buy it and it's funny because i realized that i and i still find myself doing this I often overlook the same thing that they all overlook, but when you like remove yourself and try to play investor and you look at it from like, would I put my own money into this? You start to realize that, oh, you're, you, you think about it a little bit differently. Like, can I actually, like how can I actually prove that people are gonna buy this thing, right? I can't just assume that everyone's gonna love it, right? I should probably get five customers first, right? I, I think it's, it's really helped me continue to ask myself those questions that uh, I think are really easy to gloss over when you're like in it, right? You're building it. You're thinking about it all the time. Of course, people are going to care about this. I talked to someone yesterday that loved my product, right? Uh, It's it's pretty easy to get caught up in that. So being on the investment side was an important way to kind of zoom out.
1: That's a really good way of explaining it because you need to be a little bit withdrawn from your own activities to understand the impact you're having on your own work. So after that, you joined your current company, Drift, and as a product manager, you've managed a pretty long list of products. Um, could you tell us a little about the highlights with these products?
2: Yeah, so I joined Drift really early on before we had any customers or revenue, and the product was uh, not really a thing yet, and, and so worked on a lot of pieces. I think it's been very, very cool to see how the role of a product manager very much changes as a company uh, searches for market fit. Uh, Yeah, product market fit, finds product market fit, starts to enter the scaling phase. Like the the things that I think about as a product manager in all these stages uh, just have changed so much over the years. And so I, I think that that's one thing that's been really cool. It's also been really interesting to see and surprising to see how many products we've built And how many of them just never quite catch on, right? It's really hard to build something that people care a lot about. Even to this day, there's only a few very core things in the product that have been super successful. And it's not to say uh, that we've done a bad job. It's just to say, the learning is that you're going to have to try a lot of stuff. <laughs> and a lot of things aren't going to work. And, you know, you'll think your product intuition is going to be, be the right thing. And of course, people are going to want to buy this thing. But the the key is one of the biggest things that I learned was, you just have to build something fast, and prove that anyone cares about it. And it's really important to uh, define to yourself and to your company, if you're trying to like, are you trying to address a very, very specific mission or are you trying to build a company and, and create a product that fills a need? Now, both are great, but one, if you're trying to focus on a mission, then maybe you'll, you'll keep trying to build the best version of one very specific thing for years and years and years uh, versus uh, what would be a different way to approach it is you build something, you learn a bunch, and then you build an iterative version of that and then you keep following the market until you find a a customer set and a problem set that just really, really works. Uh, That's kind of what we did at Drift. But I think it's important to know which you are, especially early on, because then you can make better decisions of, is it time to pivot or do we keep building this thing for six more months and see how it goes?
0: It's good that you were there from the beginning so you understand how things changed. Um, So in the case of Drift, what about it makes it different from other platforms in the market? What do you think the unique appeal is?
2: Yeah, so we are the best tool and the best platform to help companies connect with their best customers now, and it's very focused on that use case. There's a lot of other tools in the market that are either uh, focused on uh, building products for support teams or um, are building a product that that is built for seven different teams within a company, whereas we are laser focused on the sales use case to generate more meetings and connect those leads to salespeople in real time. Uh, and so at the end of the day, like we have reached a point similar to what I was saying about all the different communities around the world starting up around the same time. Like We're at a point where differentiation is really hard. Like actual yeah. product, Technology differentiation is very, very hard. And so uh, our CEO says this all the time, the best companies and the best products are the ones that are maniacally customer-focused. And so I would say that we have the best understanding of our customer. And when our customers use our product, they've realized that, right? Uh, and we have uh, an advanced chatbot offering that, that also gives us, gives us an edge But at the end of the day, it's like, how well does this product work to solve the use case? And if you strip away everything else, you strip away all the features, all the brand, everything like that, it's how good is this thing at solving a specific problem? uh, And we're the best in in our market at that.
0: What was the most sort of challenging feature or product you encountered in the past four years? What was the thing you couldn't get out of your head? Could you tell me about something like that?
2: Yeah, so uh, I'm going to... I'm going to answer it in a certain way. So I, I'm going to answer it as what was like the hardest thing to work on? And I'm going to say that that is billing systems. Mm-hmm. <laughs> billing systems are so hard. They're so complicated, especially if you're at a company that that changes a lot and grows a lot and the pricing changes and all that. Uh, so billing systems and integrations, uh, like integrations early on are, are easy because they do basic things. But if your company is going... If you're not a consumer app and you're selling to enterprise or bigger businesses, integrations become more and more important and more and more difficult because they need to do really complicated things very easily. And that's so hard. (laughs) That's really, really hard. And so we kind of joke sometimes the product managers here joke that product managing the billing system or the integrations is like the rite of passage, like most (laughs) of PMs uh, at Drift have had those teams at some point, uh, and they're hard. They're really, really hard.
1: Most recently, you switched to growth product management. And the question I have about this position in particular, what are the challenges with coordinating uh, with stakeholders who are directly in contact with customers versus the stakeholders who are not so much directly in contact? with customers. How do you go about building a global operation around this?
2: Yeah, it's tough. I think the key is to find more and more ways to bring the people who aren't close to the users closer to them, right? And whether that's getting them on a call or I think one of the one of the things that I've seen as a mistake that product managers make and I made this a lot and I still do is spending too much time to try to filter all of the customer feedback and the customer views into like a very cohesive point. And then saying to the rest of the team like, don't worry about the details here are my notes, but don't worry about looking at them. Like, here's the takeaway, right? And and I think it's really important to fight the urge to shelter the details, because the details are the things that allow your team to also better understand the customer and come to the same conclusions. And so here's my interpretation of all this stuff. Why don't you also look at it and see if you agree with me, right? Because I yeah. could miss things. Uh, I could I could misinterpret uh, certain things. And and so I think it's hard. I think it's an ongoing challenge. And it especially gets tougher as a company gets bigger and bigger. But you have to kind of fight that urge and, and find ways to continue to bring either the team to the customer or the customer to the team in, in some unfiltered way.
1: So now that you are the staff product manager at Drift, what are you currently working on?
2: Yeah, so... Our team owns the uh, distribution of our products. So the core one uh, at the moment, as an example, uh, is the live chat tool. And so there are certain viral aspects to live chat, uh, which is if someone installs the chat widget on their website, it has the Drift branding on it, uh, which people can click through and then go sign up for the product uh, with also we have calendar features so you can book a meeting with someone and so those emails say you know powered by drift at the bottom want to book meetings too using our tools click here to sign up And yeah. so there's all these different aspects that can drive more user acquisition through the product And so our team owns those systems uh, and experiments with the product to figure out okay How do we get more people to sign up and then out of those people that are signing up? How do we get more of them to experience the first value of the product and then from there, we kind of hand them off to the other product teams that are re- more responsible for engagement and upgrades and, and all that stuff. But yeah, we kind of own that that top of the funnel uh, across the different aspects of the product.
0: So how big is your product team and how big is the wider internal stakeholder pool? What's the difference between these two groups?
2: Uh, we currently roll into the product team and the, the product team, the whole product team is about 80 something people. Uh, and so... Generally, at some point, we may interact with some of them because we're touching a part of their product or a part of their code or, or whatever it might be. Our team is two engineers, myself, a designer, and then we're we're looking to expand that, that team as well as our product continues to expand. And then, I mean, internal stakeholders, especially for what we're doing, is we work alongside the marketing team a lot because the stuff that we're doing affects them. And yeah we're doing affects the traffic to the website and and other things like that. So there's a lot of coordination uh, that happens there.
0: Uh, As you were just talking about expanding your team, um, I wanted to ask, what do you look for when you're hiring, you know, besides specific skills? What is it about a candidate that makes you think they might be a good fit for your team?
2: I think there's a certain humility that's necessary that is, I don't have the answers, but I have really good ways to get the answers from customers or I have really good ways to help the team get to the right answer, right? I I think that that viewpoint is really critical rather than the view of, I'm gonna show up, I've done it before, I know exactly what to do because the contexts in different companies, like, the definition of a product manager from one company to another are very different, even if the companies look exactly the same on paper, right? same size, same round of the funding, same number of customers. Like the actual function of a product manager is kind of viewed differently. And so I think the uh, ability to work with internal stakeholders to figure out how to operate well together uh, and in, in the context of that business are really, really critical and so that's that's kind of one of the things that we look for.
1: So out of all the skills that you developed and acquired over your career, what would you say is the most important one or the one that you opened the most doors with?
2: I personally think for me that, and this is something I'm still learning, and getting better at, is storytelling. I think it's so, so important to be a good storyteller as a product manager because you have to be able to tell the stories from customers and understand the stories that they're trying to tell you. You have to be able to tell stories to your team to get them on board that this is the right thing to do and and to work on. Uh, you have to be able to tell stories to the rest of your of your company so that the customer team knows how the product is going to work and how they can talk about it to their customers. Right, and so I think that that is one of the most critical pieces because as a product manager, you have a lot of the responsibility and none of the the authority. And so you have to figure out how to be really influential. And, uh, and one of the best ways to do that is through storytelling.
1: With that in mind, how do you measure the impact of the products that you build? And what are the metrics that you kind of use for your North Star?
2: Yeah, I think it depends a lot on the actual product that's being worked on. For example, today, we're, we're spending a lot of time uh, working on is activations, right? How many people are actively using the product? I think what's important that is hard to do, and a lot of product teams don't because it's really, really difficult, and we haven't quite figured out the best way to do it either. Uh, is to try to find a way to quantify the product usage in some sort of revenue metric, because at the end of the day, the product has to be impacting revenue because if the revenue is not coming in, you can't keep building the product. And so finding a way to tie it back to, okay, this much revenue uses this part of the product every week, right? You can start to do things like that, like understand that 10% of all of the revenue across your customers uh, have engaged with this part of the product recently, like things like that are, are pretty important. And So I I also think that measurement and, and all that definitely changes as your company scales too. Like early on, it just matters that customers are finding value, whether that's like three or 30, you just need people to be having a good experience. But then certainly as it grows, you need to better understand that this change affected this part of the onboarding flow by 20%, which means that, you know, that whole thing.
0: How important do you think data is in this case? Like, what's the balance between being creative and being led by data?
2: Yeah, I think early on, your data can be a total mess, and that's okay. Uh, And then over time, your your data will become more accurate uh, and more accessible. And so, and and I I think, too, it's really easy to get to a point where if you start becoming data-focused, then you become so data-focused that you forget to just go reach out to customers and talk to them. And that's what happens. Companies get removed from the customer because of that. Because then the whole product team is just looking at dashboards and then the number moved. So, uh, all right, we have to figure out how to move that number back. And then they do stuff with the product, but they've never actually went and talked to the customers that were in that bucket. So so I think it's a balance. I think data is more and more important as your product grows and your customer base grows. Uh, But it's also important to not lose sight of the uh, just talking to customers aspect of things.
0: And what about the tools you use to build consensus? For example, roadmaps. Do you try to convince everyone individually? Or do you bring the team together to discuss things as a group? Like, what's your approach?
2: Yeah, one of the things our VP of product says is socialize, don't surprise, uh, which is to say, share the stuff around with the main stakeholders before you go tell it, tell everyone in a room or write a post about it, right? I think it's important to get the one on one feedback. If it's something, Critical uh, or has a big impact, uh, and then you kind of go from there.
1: And what about with senior management? How do you relay information to them? Do you do any specific adaptations with this, or are you relying on certain ways of addressing them? What, what, what's your approach on that?
2: Yeah, we have a system where uh once a month we give a 20-minute presentation update with how things are going. They also monitor our metrics on a weekly basis. Uh, And then if there are other things happening in between them, uh, you know, we might show up to a a Friday senior leadership team meeting and and give a pitch about something. Or I will just directly coordinate with those individuals uh, on a day to day basis.
0: Okay, so this has been great. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I'm just closing with this final question. And I think it's a very practical question for people who are aspiring or perhaps new product managers. Um, what would you recommend that a new PM do in their first 30 days? And what would you suggest that they start thinking about doing in their first three months?
2: Yeah, I think it's important to show up uh, and get to know your team, like get to know the people on your team and don't just jump right into here's what we're doing, like here's what we're doing together, because it's really important as a product manager to build trust and respect from uh, the others on your team, especially if you're new to product. And so there are different ways to do that. One way is, uh, you are technical and you understand exactly what they're talking about when they say we're going to build it like this and use these tools and all that sort of stuff or you're super data driven and you could pull reports with uh, SQL and and do things like that or you just show up and work super hard like go talk to a lot of customers like find something where you can add value and show that you are here to work just as hard as everyone else and then uh, listen spend a lot of time listening uh, And then over time just make sure that your team is involved in the decisions and discussions that are happening. Because uh, if you end up in a world where your team feels like you're just telling them what to do, things aren't going to go super well.
1: <laughs> Thanks so much for your input, Matt. You've been able to show us a bunch of different sides of product, and it really has been great for us.
0: Take Matt Beloti's insights, put them into action, and catch our upcoming episode at the same time next week with major word from Expedia Group.
1: See you next time, product people.